We're going to be looking at Jesus uh, through encounters that he had with various people, and uh, uh, he ran into some pretty interesting people at, at times, and uh, and they're us actually uh, when he gets right down to it. Uh, there's uh, there's intellectuals and there are people who are in need and there are people who are desperate and there are people who who think they got it going on and they're us. That's uh, that's what it is. They're skeptics that he runs into. Um, and the call of the gospel is to meet Jesus. That's what it is, because it's not it's not what you know. It's who you know. I mean, that's really that's really the bottom line. I was talking to. Uh, a guy this this week whose son is going to Belmont, and I said, "Oh, that's great! You know, what's he majoring in?" Well, uh, uh, he's, he's recording engineering, I, I think is what it is. And I, you know, I think the uh, um, the employment rate for people who graduate with an employment engineering degrees is, I don't know, it's it's probably five percent, maybe two percent. I don't know, you know. So I, I, it was hard for me to get real excited, but I, I tried to be excited for him, and uh, I know he's paying a lot of money. And, uh, you know, and he was going, well, you know, it's not really, it's not really what you know. And I went, no, it isn't. It's who you know. And when you stand before God, it's not, the quiz isn't going to be about how well you know some answers to things. It's going to just be one question. Just one. Do you know Jesus? Do you know my son? So anyway, Nicodemus was a, was a man that we're going to look at here first of all, and we're going to read we're going to read a passage of scripture together that I hope you know well. You're going to know a couple of verses from it well, but you should know this whole passage well. This is Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter three. Would you stand and read with me? Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi. We know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I pray, Lord, that right now there'd be a convergence in this place of your word and your spirit in our hearts, Lord God so that we might hear and so that we might understand what you want to say to us and what you want to say to the world, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Nicodemus was a a man of position and and education, and and he came at night. And sometimes I hear people uh, kind of ragging on Nicodemus for coming at night. And and truly, you know, they're... There was probably a little bit there of realizing his status and realizing his position. And, and you know, Jesus wasn't really popular with the, the group that Nicodemus ran with. Um, but he came. That's the important thing. And it wasn't like when he came at night, Jesus is going, oh, you picked nighttime to come see me, huh? Rather than the daytime. No, God doesn't deal with us that way. Uh, Nicodemus came at night and Jesus welcomed him at night and he talked to him and Jesus uses this opportunity to lay out the logic of the gospel. Because like I say, these people that Jesus met were us. And some of us, believe it or not, are intellectual wonks, you know, when you get right down to it. Uh, uh, In fact, there was somebody the other day hmm, uh, who I think was on their Facebook. So maybe it was somebody from this church who described themselves as a recovering intellectual. Oh, I know who it was. Yeah, I'm not going to say who it was, though. Uh, they were on stage earlier. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't say who it was. You just have to figure that out for yourself. And, and, and some people are. In fact, a lot of us probably are, regardless of what our GPA was in school. We, uh, we tend to think, uh, we, tend to, we, want, we want logic. That's what we want, because that's the culture that we were brought up in, even though the logic of this culture becomes more illogical seemingly by the hour. And Jesus looks at this man, looks at Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, I, I know you, you got to be sent from God because of the wonderful things that you have done. And, you know, Jesus could have kind of stopped him right there and went, you know, a lot of people have come along doing wonderful things who weren't really from God, but he, but he didn't. He, uh, he took Nicodemus a little further and he told him, you must be born again. Um, This phrase, born again, has kind of been uh, radicalized, I think, in our culture. It's it's been attached to being a fanatic. Someone being born again is a fanatic. And usually there's, you got to say it with a twang, born again. But But the truth of the matter is, there's nothing fanatical about this at all. This is bedrock. This is foundational in being a Christian. And Billy Graham didn't make this up. And I didn't make this up, and it wasn't made up by, by somebody who wrote a book somewhere except for John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ said this. 
And what he's literally saying to him, he's making it clear that entering the kingdom is not something that you can earn. There is no mainstream church that you can join and belong to, and all of a sudden you're in the, you're in the kingdom. There's no degree that you can get behind your name that this is, this is your kingdom degree that means that you're now in the kingdom. There's no amount of, of good works that you can do that can put you in the kingdom. It's not something you earn. It's not really even something you do. You must be born of water and of spirit, physically and spiritually, in order to enter the kingdom of God. What did you do to get born the first time? Yeah, there it is. You just kind of, you just kind of came out. That's all you did, basically. Uh, that that was your part in making that happen. Now, when it comes to being born again the second time, it's, it's pretty much the same. All, all we have to do, essentially, is show up and believe, because it's all been done for us. It's literally all been done for us, and the thing that needs to happen is not something that we can make happen ourselves. Back in December, Margaret and I went to see uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and pretty good, pretty good movie, but I was disappointed with it because I know the book. And there, there are just some wonderful, powerful things in that book that didn't get brought out in the movie. And one of them is, uh, is the experience that Eustace has. I, I'm probably speaking, how many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have seen the movie or read the book? Oh, okay, uh, all right, I, I thought that was the case. Um, Eustace is this, is this ratty little boy. And I mean, when I say ratty, that's not the right word. Uh, he's just kind of the little boy that give little, gives little boys a bad name. That, that's what he, that's what he is. Uh, and while he's on this, and, and Don Treader is, uh, is part of the Narnia series. It's, it's a fantasy. Uh, but it, but C.S. Lewis uses it to make spiritual points. And while he's on this voyage, one of the things that happens is he, he stumbles upon a dragon's hoard. And he, uh, and that, that means gold and silver and all these precious jewels and stuff. And he, and he falls asleep on it, on the dragon's hoard. And everybody knows that if you get bitten by a werewolf, you become... And if you fall asleep on a dragon's hoard, you become a dragon. That's right. And so he, he becomes a dragon, but he, he's not too happy as a dragon. In fact, he's absolutely miserable as a dragon. And, and, and in the book, what happens is he, he follows along with them for a while on, on the, well, he can't actually ride on the ship, but you know, he, he fly, dragons can fly. So he's, he's flying around with the ship. Uh, and then one day, finally, they tried everything they can to help him. Nothing works. And then one day, Eustace shows back up again, and he's a boy, and he's totally changed. And he describes how it happens. Uh, he meets this lion. Now, the lion is Aslan, and, and he's, he's a type of Christ. He meets this lion, and he's kind of afraid of him, even though he's a dragon. But the lion lets him know he's supposed to follow him. So he goes and follows him, and he comes to this, this place where there's, a, where there's a pool. And, uh, and he looks down in the pool, and he sees his dragon face, and it's all, you know, he's just a dragon, and he's just unhappy. And, and he understands from the lion that... Uh, Maybe he can change, and so he, he he starts scratching himself. He gets real itchy, and he scratches himself, and and 
the dragon suit comes off. And he looks over and there it is, laying on the ground. And he's so happy and he goes back and he looks in the pool and he's still a dragon. And he scratches it again and it, and it comes off again like a, like a snake shedding its skin. And he goes back and looks at the pool and, and he's still a dragon. And he does it a third time and there's, and there's three dragon skins laying around and he's still a dragon. And then the lion finally speaks to him and says, you have to let me do it. He says, when he did it, that claw reached out and ripped into his dragon suit. And he said, oh, this was so much deeper than anything that I had done. And it, it, it hurt at first, but it, it also felt so good. And, and then when it finally came off, it wasn't just a little dragon skin. It was, it was a dragon skin, thick all the way through. But then the dragon took him and tossed him into the pool, and he was a little boy. He said, it smarted when I got in that pool, but I got out, and oh, it just felt so good. And that's the way that it is. You can scratch, you can claw, you can change the outside again and again and again and make resolutions and do all of these things, but you're still a dragon. You have to let him do it. Jesus says, you have to be born again. And then he ties it. It's, it's, in, it's, in, it's completely linked to this concept. And this concept's not only the beginning of our walk in the Lord, but it's so important in the rest of our walk with the Lord. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh cannot give birth to anything but flesh. And so often as we're walking along with the Lord, we we have such good ideas. We have such good intentions. We have such good plans. But if they're not God's plans, they don't accomplish anything at all. I want to give you a a little... Test here, little quiz. This, what is this? This is a dog playing in the snow. This is Peanut, the famous Peanut. And uh, I owe uh, 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 gratitude to Ken Stilger for making this photograph. Uh, and he's, he called it sledding. Uh, this was a day that they were sledding. And Peanut really didn't get the sled too much because Arwen was concerned that he was going to get run over by a sled. So most of the time he got held, and which he actually enjoys even more than this. Uh, once Peanut gets held, it's like, this is where I belong. I'll give you four hours to stop that. And, but, but he was down for a little while. He was, he was romping around, having a big time. Now, here's, here's the test. Here's the quiz. I want you to pick out Peanut's mother. Is it A, Clarabelle? Is it B, Toothy? Is it C, Baldy? Or is it D, Fifi? Now, don't answer right away. Think about it. You, might, you can consult with each other if you're having a hard time figuring this out. If you said A, Clarabelle, 
you need to quit going to Rodney Boyd's Sunday school in class. <laughs> and you probably need therapy. <laughs> yeah. If you said B, toothy, you need glasses. If you said C, baldy, you're a bird brain. And if you said D, Fifi, you're right. Can you possibly imagine Peanut coming out of a cow or a bear or an eagle? Answer me, people. No, okay. (laughs) No, you can't. And yet, somehow, we can imagine that we can come up with an idea that is going to advance God's kingdom. That the good that we do somehow is going to accomplish something for God. The truth of the matter is, flesh can only give birth to flesh. We cannot come into the kingdom by any efforts of the flesh. We cannot advance the kingdom by any efforts of the flesh. We can only submit And this is why it's so important to to have a relationship with God. Say, well, how do you know when it's just my idea and and when it's God? Got to get to know him. Got to get to know him. Margaret and I have been married for 34 years and going on 35. And there are just a whole bunch of situations that we get into where I know exactly what she's thinking. Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, you know. But I know exactly what she's thinking. How did that happen? It didn't happen on our first date. It didn't happen after six months. It didn't happen really even five years. We were still getting to know each other. At 34 years, eh, you know, got got a pretty good idea what's going on. Sometimes she doesn't even have to say anything. When she does say something and and I see the expression on her face and hear the, the timber in her voice, I know exactly what that means. That's the same way with the Spirit of God. It takes time. You have to get to know Him. You have to walk with Him. You make a few mistakes along the way. It's good to make a few mistakes if you learn something from them. It's okay to do that. You make a few mistakes along the way, but you begin to be sensitive to what he says, and not just what he says do, but what he doesn't say do. When Barbie sent that that email out this week, I saw the email, and, and I thought, actually, I didn't think anything. I just thought, okay. And you know what? I didn't do anything. Because there was simply nothing inside of me that said, you're supposed to do this. There just wasn't. There was plenty to do this week, believe you me. And I'm glad that I didn't do anything. Because that meant that there were opportunities open for a bunch of other people to do stuff that God was speaking to and saying, hey, this is for you. This, this touched your heart. And, and clearly there were people who were listening to God about that. You know, it, it's, it's a matter of being sensitive 
to the spirit. Because when you are, then the simplest act, the simplest thing can produce eternal consequences that are positive for the kingdom of God. And when you're not, you can, you can work and you can struggle and you can do everything that you can to make God's kingdom get on up there, but you'll get it to a point and it's going to roll right back down the hill. And then you try and you work and, and it, it's what burns a lot of Christians out. A lot of Christians, a lot of people come to faith. They come to faith by faith, by believing. And then once they get there, it's like Paul writing to the Galatians saying, you, you idiot Galatians. You came, you, did you get, did you come to God by your works or did you come to God by faith in Christ? And having started by faith, are you now trying to complete this process by your works? He's not saying don't do anything. We do, we, what he's saying is let the things that you do count. Let them matter. Let they, let, let them mean something. And that happens when you hear the Spirit and you're obedient. You obey. You follow it. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on out there that is supposed to be for God. You know, there are people uh, attending funerals, carrying signs saying God hates this dead person because they're trying to do something for God. But it's from the flesh. It's not from the spirit. Sometimes overtly godly actions can can be works of the flesh. Uh, I've got a... um, a daily blog that I write about the New Testament. We're going through the New Testament this year. And it's a wonderful blog, and all of you probably should be reading it, but that's, that's another matter. We'll, we'll let you hear the Spirit on that. Uh, but one of, the, uh, one of the, the blogs this last week essentially had, had to do with this, essentially touched on this. Jesus was saying that it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, it's what comes out that defiles him. It's, and I was saying, you know, it's what's on the inside. And somebody... Somebody had uh, uh, commented, yeah, commented on the blog that, uh, yeah, but what's on the inside shows up on the outside. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, but a lot of times what's on the outside is phony. A lot of times what's on the outside doesn't reflect what, what's on the inside at all. And so even though there can be a lot of overtly godly actions, sometimes they can just be works of the flesh because either because somebody's trying to fool somebody or because this is what I was told, this is what godliness is. You cannot tell. Jesus, Jesus says the wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. You say, well, yeah, it came from the West. Yeah, where in the West? You don't know where it started. You don't know where it's ending. And you, you cannot tell who is born of the Spirit by looking at somebody. You can't go, well, that one's born of the Spirit. He's got a nice haircut. She's born of the Spirit. She, she's, got, she's got full length sleeves. You, you can't tell by looking at the outside. There's no excuse for doing nothing nor to, to claim that, that every, everything that you do is prompted of God. But this is truth. This is truth. Then Jesus says to him, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the, in, in the wilderness, in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Uh, this story is from Numbers uh, chapter 21. Most of you are familiar with it. The Israelites had rebelled against God. 
snakes have been sent against them. They were, they were dying. And, uh, and so Moses goes to God on, the, on behalf of the people and goes, forgive them, heal them. And God said, well, okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to make a bronze serpent. I want you to put it up on a pole, and everyone who looks at that pole will be healed. Now, you know, that's not exactly our idea of a cure, is it? We get right, we, you know, we want a shot. We want a pill. You know, we want, we want something. Look at a snake. That's what Moses in the Scripture tells us, that everybody who looked was healed. And we assume that everyone who didn't look died. This was a, a foreshadowing of, of the cross. Uh, you see, there was no, there's no logical way that you can say looking at a snake will heal a snake bite. Is there? No. So that must not have been what did it. What did it was faith in God's word will bring healing. And God's word was, look at that snake and you'll be healed. And everybody who had enough faith to do it was healed. And it was, it was a foreshadowing of the cross because that's, that's exactly what the cross is. There's no, what, you know, if, if I'm an adulterer, if I'm a thief, if I'm a murderer, if I'm something bad, if I'm a bad person, there's no logic that necessarily says that because somebody died on a cross 2,000 years ago, and I believe that I believe that, that was the Son of God who did that and that they did it on my behalf, that, that that takes care of it. What takes care of it is faith in God's Word that said that takes care of it. And that's the door into the kingdom. Faith in God's Word. And then Jesus comes up with the verse that everybody knows, if they know a verse, besides Jesus wept. For God so loved the world. And and I love this, because the gospel is completely contained here in this little verse, and it's it's so simple that we can't help but complicate it. But it says, God so loved the world. He didn't say God so loved the church. Doesn't say God so loved the saints. Doesn't say God so loved the good people. It doesn't say God so loved your granny. It says God so loved the world. And the world's full of bad people. And God loves them. That's that was the motivation behind this. He 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 loves them. Romans 5:10 there's another powerful, wonderful verse to know if you, if, if you, if you don't know much of anything else. I, I gave you one last week. This, this week is this. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? There's so much in, in this particular verse. First of all is, is, the, is the idea that his death brought reconciliation with God, what will his life bring? Woo! And the other concept is, when we were his enemies, he died for us. So now that we're his children, uh, yesterday we had uh, 
memorial service for Bill Pollard. And a couple of his nephews got up and spoke, and they spoke about working for him. And, and they spoke about how hard it was to work for Bill, because Bill made you work hard, apparently. Uh, but one of them was talking about Bill had, had gotten him <clears throat> and taken him off of the laborer uh, grunt job and was teaching him how to do the, the sawing, the cutting job, and that he didn't do it very well and thought that, you know, he was going to go have to go back to the pit and do the laborer job. Uh, but Bill came down, helped him out, showed him how to do it again, said, now do it right, you know, and he, and he just said to him, why, you know, why, why are you giving me this chance? I, I thought I was going to have to go back and Bill just went, those guys aren't my nephew. You are. If God's son died for us while we were his enemies, we're not his nephews. We're his sons and daughters. We're his children. What, what will he not do for us now? How, how good is this? He loved the world and he gave his only son. God creates and God gives. The devil consumes and takes. And so when the focus of our life is consuming and taking, guess who our father is? And when the focus of our life is creating and giving, guess who our father is? Because you see, we reflect we reflect who our father is. We, we reflect what, what the heritage is in, in our life. Uh, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes. And this is, this is the crux of what we must do. God has done it all. What we have to do is believe, and it's, and it's a whoever. It's a whoever. One of the things that I'm discovering as I'm going through the New Testament and doing this, this blog on a daily basis, is how often people try to put up barriers between other people and Jesus. And try to go, uh, don't listen, send her away. Don't, these are just little kids. Don't, don't be blessing them. She's, a, she's not a, actually a Jew, and she's pretty annoying. So let's, let's not deal with her. Uh, you know, send them away so they can go get something to eat. And how often Jesus was going, don't you guys get it? Let them come. Give, you, you give them something to eat. There's really never a time that Jesus is going, no, none of you can come to me. Now, even with the Syrophoenician woman, I, you know, that, that was probably about the only time that Jesus really seemed to put up any barrier. But even that, he, he, he was pushing the boundaries because he knew what was in that woman. He was bringing it out. That's what, what he was doing. But all the rest of the time, we, we try to put barriers between a people and God because of who they are or what they've done. And you know, the biggest, thickest barrier that we put between people and God because of who they are and what they've done is usually ourselves. We usually kind of go, well, I, I can't be on this level of spirituality. I can't have this kind of relationship with God because I do this. Or because this is, this is who I am. No, whosoever. And I know it doesn't say whosoever, but that's, just, that's the King James that's left in me. The, the residue of the King James is kind of down there. Whosoever, uh, which means whoever, which means you. It means me. It, it means everybody you see. 
<coughs> I didn't intend to say anything about C.S. Lewis today, but one of my favorite quotes of, of his, and, that, and, I, and the problem is I can't remember the quote, but I remember the concept. He says, you, you have never met a mortal. You have never met a mere mortal. Nations all turn to dust. Great cities and monuments and stadiums all rushed and decay. Every person that you come in contact with is immortal. And one day will either be an unimaginable horror or will be such a glorious, magnificent being that you would be tempted to bow down and worship them if you were to see them now in the state that they're going to be in. They're all headed in one direction or the other. And that includes you. And God puts no barriers there. It's whosoever believes. And that's, that's the whole point of the thing. It's not believe and. And, you know, don't get the idea that I'm saying it doesn't matter what you do. It matters what you do in this life. What you do in this life matters because if you, if you, if you sin in this life, you're going to have a rough life, whether you're a believer or not. I mean, I'm just sorry. Uh, that's, that's directly related, proportional. If you obey God in this life, you're going to have a glorious life. I mean, it doesn't matter how rough things around you are. Your life will be glorious. It's directly proportional. So that, it, that matters. It's important. And the people that you come in contact with, it matters. Because you're pushing them in one direction or another concerning their eternal destiny. But that's not what gets you into heaven. The only thing that can get you into heaven is whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God did not create us to die. We were not created to die. We really weren't. And that's why deep inside of each one of us, inside of our hearts, nobody wants to die. Now, you know, they may get to a place in life where life in this fallen world is so hard and so tough that they don't want to be here anymore. They, They don't want to be in this condition anymore. Nobody wants to die. Gee, I wonder why that is. Well, it may be because we weren't created to die. Maybe because we were created for something else. Maybe because the the destiny that we were created for is is something eternal, something immortal. In fact, not only maybe, that's exactly what it is. God created us to have eternal life, and the Scripture says that He has put eternity into the hearts of men. And that's why that desire is within us. And here it is. El Dorado, utopia, the fountain of youth, it's real. The good news is that that it's real. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. I think one of the things that has hindered Christians from sharing the gospel in our culture is we've added so many things onto what God requires that we feel intimidated about sharing the gospel with people because it's kind of like... 
Well, does this mean that I'm going to have to? Well, yeah, yeah. And, and do I have to? Yeah, yeah, you have to. And, and th- yeah, you got to do that. None of that. Whoever believes. It's what the scripture says. Not my words, his. We'll have eternal life. And it's not, as I've told you, it's not just live forever and ever and ever and ever. It's the quality of life that God has in his presence is the fullness of joy. In his right hand are blessings forevermore. God is light. With him there is no darkness. It, it, it's a different quality of life than, he, than we have. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already. Jesus did not come to condemn us. We were already condemned. That happened in the garden. And we know it. We know it. Deep down inside. That dread is carried in the statement, we were born to die. Well, we may be born to die, but we were created to live. We don't have to share a message of condemnation. We get to share the message of life. The devil carries the message of condemnation. He'll preach that one for us. In fact, he preaches it to us pretty frequently, and we spend a lot of time listening to him. But the message that we've been given is the message of life. It's the message of eternal life. It's the good news. We don't, we don't have to share, you need to get saved and quit doing that. We just need to share, you need to get saved. Saved from what? Death? We tend to say sin, but that's a confusing concept. Understand, the wages of sin is death. Saved from death. That's what people need to be saved from. And to be very honest, a lot of people out there don't want to be saved from their sins, but a whole lot of them want to be saved from death. And that's what the offer is. You say, well, that's, that's kind of dangerous. They might not change. Oh, just leave that to the Holy Ghost. He's pretty good at, at, at fixing things up like that. He, he brings conviction rather than condemnation. He, he brings hope rather than despair. He brings strength and the ability to do things rather than a load to carry on people who've already got more than they can carry. We bring the good news. We let the Spirit's wind blow wherever we go. At least I hope that's what we're doing. Would you stand with me? You know what? Probably the hardest person to convert is, uh, is your recovering intellectual or your, your skeptic of that sort. But with Nicodemus, it took. It took. Nicodemus was one of the ones who buried Jesus. Nicodemus was, was, was the one who actually brought the spices for it. Nicodemus took a stand for Christ toward the end. When he, and, and, it, and, you know, we don't necessarily come into the kingdom full-grown, full full-blown warriors. It takes a little while. It took a little while with Nicodemus. With those who are going to, uh, with, with our elders and, and uh, staff and, their wives come to pray with people. But it worked with him, and, and it'll work with the people you know. And it'll work with you. 
If anybody's here today and they need prayer, if you need to know Christ, this would be a pretty good day. I mean, I don't do a whole lot of overt salvation messages, but I think this was one. So if you need to know, if you need to know Christ and the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart or your way, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I don't get messed up with the, well, can you lose your salvation? Am I backslid? Am I the... You know if you're away. You know what that means. If you're away and you need to come back. This would be a good day to come do that. I know that others are here with other needs. So the altar is open for all of those things. Physical healing. Deliverance from situations. Clarity, wisdom. Whatever you need. The altar is open. We're going we're to worship for a few moments. If you don't need to come and pray, then worship. Because... It sets up an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. But if you need something, whosoever will, let him come. Let him come. Let's worship. confidence in there about sharing the gospel because there's really no better news you can take to anybody it really isn't and somebody with that level of confidence 
pretty persuasive. Uh, do not be cowed by the devil. Do not be cowed by the culture. Do not be cowed by your doubts and your fears. Be bold. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world so that we might have eternal life and so that we might be given the, the good news to share with a desperate world. May His Spirit be strong in you. May you be bold and joyful in sharing the gospel. And may you accomplish great things for eternity's sake. Through Jesus Christ our Lord.